which I've shared for a couple of years now, is, um, is this. The Advent is an eager expectation of something that is much anticipated. I kind of like that. I get a little bit eager at Christmas. I get kind of excited at Christmas. I get um, expectant at Christmas, and I think that is in our DNA because there is something that is coming. I mean, I'm like tempted to tell stories of, you know, ringing bells at gift-giving moments or sitting beneath trees with my grandfather as he would just share ultimately what I have come to treasure as the most um, beautiful moment, which is the story of Luke 2. I just, I just have this excitement, and I don't, I think right now I have goosebumps because I'm still like a kid. I get pretty excited about this season, and um, there's something inherently eternal about that. The, this idea of the advent and this coming of Jesus and the hope that he has, we're eagerly expectant about that because we have great anticipation. And I, I wanted um, to deviate a bit. Um, if you want to land with me, I'm going to land in the second chapter of Luke. And I can't speak about hope without at least alluding to Simeon. And I'm talking about Anna. She is absolutely one of my favorite characters. I like Anna, Ryan. And you do too. You have an Anna ship. And I pray that her heart is like Anna of Luke, the second chapter. But I want to just begin um, the Advent season, not with my own words, but with the words of Scripture. You're welcome to read along with me if you would like, or you're welcome to just sit and soak in the first chapter of the book of John. And it's just a, a place of hope. It reads in this way, God, we have hope because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things, and that's us included, were created through Him. And apart from him being Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. There's a hallelujah moment. And apart from him, not one thing was created. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness could not overcome it. Praise the Lord. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Maybe that could become a life verse for all of us. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. He put on flesh and came and dwelt among us and he was in the world and yet the world was created through him. That's boggling my mind right now. I don't know if you allow scripture to just overwhelm you. That is an overwhelming statement. Colossians reiterates this. Jesus was in the world and yet as he spoke and breathed, the world came into being. Glory to God in the highest. We should be eagerly anticipatory. He came to his own. Before that, the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but who were born of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
We have observed, we have seen his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father. Father, And that glory is filled with grace. And the glory of God is filled with truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one whom I said, the one who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Another one where you can just park for a while and go, Oh Lord, you are God. Indeed, we have received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side. And yet he has revealed him. The reason I would come to you with great hope is because of the entirety of what I just read. But here's what we have received as followers of Jesus. We have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. May the grace of Christ be with you and more beautifully within you as we engage in this Advent season. You have received that. Open that. Explore that. And allow the truth and the grace of the living Christ to resonate within you. Amen. Glory to God. I was reading, um, our family is reading together the book of Matthew as we walk through the month of December. And I just begin with the first, story, the first chapter of the book of Matthew, which is always a great beginning point, the first chapter. And so we're, we're reading the first chapter, and it's, um, it's a lineage chapter if you've read Matthew recently. And so um, lineages are not, uh, the, the lineage is not necessarily an exciting thing at times if you've read the book of Numbers. But there's some powerful things in the midst of a lineage. And there's redemption stories that I'm praying for. And I'm praying that we will be expectant of as we engage this season. That it will conjure hope for us. A hope that doesn't disappoint. A hope that is providing us with grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. A hope that is in Christ. As I read the lineage, I'm, I won't walk through every one, but I, I wrote our family and I said, look, just the lineage of Jesus is a story of redemption. And I don't know where you land. I desperately need the redemptive work of God in Christ. And I, I needed it when I was nine years old and came to know Jesus. I needed it at 19 years old when I had an extraordinarily um, powerful moment with Jesus. I've needed it every single day since both of those moments. And I need it right now at 51 to know him and to understand his grace and his truth. And I read through his lineage and I immediately see in the earliest parts of the lineage that leads to, and Jesus was born and he exploded into the world with grace and truth for the hope of mankind. And oh, by the way, it was already happening because Rahab is in this story. And I was just, I was just, just coming to pieces going, Rahab, you can fit your own description of yourself, but the lineage of Jesus is a lineage of hope. Because here is a woman who is described in an extraordinarily negative way, and yet here she is, in the line of the birth of Messiah, meet Rahab. And it just went on down. I listened about two or three of them in my, to my group. And I, the, the one that I personally love the most is, and, and, you know, born through Uriah's wife to David was Solomon. And it's just this redemptive work of God that we, as we walk through this earth, are extraordinarily gifted at jacking up circumstances. 
and completely messing things up and wrecking them. And the Lord, when our hearts are broken, which many of us should bring to his mending table today, when we are, when we are covered in our sin and shame, we should turn in a season of Advent, which is an unending season for the follower of Jesus, with our brokenness and shame. And instead of holding it here from God, hold it here before God as David did. And we look at the Lord and say, I am so messed up right now. Will you come and redeem these circumstances? And the Lord did. The circumstances were not all good, but they were good for his glory. And in the lineage of Jesus, Uriah's wife, who was killed by the hand of David at the midst of their adulterous affair. And God redeemed that for the sake. That is the lineage of hope into which we walk and stand. And I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, I eagerly anticipate, more importantly, I eagerly am grateful for the lineage of what we gather and bear and hope in. The point and purpose of this season is for the glory of God alone. It's not for the glory of ourselves or the glory of a season. It's for the glory of the cross of Christ. It's for the glory of the birth of Christ. It's for the glory of the wonder of Christ. It's for his glory. I think, we, I think I'm praying for us, as I shared a little while ago, I'm praying for us as a body of believers that the Advent will be a catalytic season for us once again to stand in the middle of the crossroads of a greater Mandarin area, the middle of a crossroads of a greater Jacksonville area, and the middle of a crossroads which God has supplied to us, to the nations, to say, here's hope. Here's the redemptive story of God. Here is the promise of the Messiah. The grace and truth of Christ has come. And what I want you to know, world, is that grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, it is happening day in and day out. And lives are being turned to the King of glory. There is forgiveness and reconciliation. And and there is hope and there is promise. I'm praying for this church. I I don't know where, um, where this will go other than I am praying for redemptive stories to be written into our hearts so that we are carrying the story of redemption into the hearts of those that surround us. I'm praying for greater Mandarin as a result of the Advent and as a result of the gathering of Mandarin Baptist Church. I am praying for greater Mandarin that the story of God's redemptive work and the truth and reality that he put on flesh and came and lived among us, I am praying that that story is written into the heart of this community because we've gathered and celebrated that and there is an eager expectation among us. I'm praying that our, our lives will just be centered in that. And I want to just talk about this, this hope in him. And I, I don't know where you land, but I land at times a bit frustrated by that prayer. A bit baffled by why it appears to me that that prayer is not being answered. Why um, it doesn't often um, fit my mold. In, in Joshua, the sixth chapter, a very weird verse to go to on the first preaching of the Advent. But in Joshua, the sixth chapter, the Lord looks at Joshua and says, um, there's a city that I am inviting you to go and take. And it's an impenetrable, it, it's a city with big walls. Those walls are not easily penetrated. 
And so I, I'm just, I'm going to invite you. And I, I, I love, and then God lays out the strategic plan. And as I think of this Advent idea that, God, we anticipate you working. Um, we hope in you, Lord. And I think that at times the Lord is saying, what, what I want for you to have an Advent of hope is to have an Advent of crisis of, do you believe me? Do you believe in who I am and what I'm doing? Have you rooted your life in me? Are you believing? Because what the Lord said to Joshua is, I want you to go, and I wish that this weren't as specific because it's not always as specific in Scripture. For him, he said, I want you to go circle this this impenetrable (laughs) wall six days in a row, day seven, seven times, and, and I want you to watch as I work. And then he structured it in such a manner that, that it was powerful because it was the most um, illogical people. God didn't always give that. I feel, I don't know how you feel at an Advent season, at a place of hope, but I often feel that I'm walking a circle and I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what day I'm on and I don't know which circle I'm walking. I just know I'm walking as faithfully as possible to the Lord, but at times it also feels like I'm trudging along. And I, I just am looking at the Lord going, I want to hope in you. And there's a song that come, has come into my life in the last six months that has become a life song for me. I just will read the lyrics to you. And I listen to this on every run. In fact, if I can, I'll gauge about five minutes out. And this is how I close my run. Because I, I'm praying for the Lord to give me an unequivocal heart of hope to keep walking circles around the things that he has burdened me with. Because... I don't necessarily need to see the answers. I just need to see him and to trust him. And the the lyric reads this way, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. I hope that. You've never failed me yet, Lord. I'm waiting for change to come and I'm knowing in this moment that the battle is already won. For you've never failed me yet. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I am still in your hands. I am on lap 76 and the wall to my left is still up. But I am still in your hands and I am still walking in hope with obedience with what you've called from me. And this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I'm looking at this wall and saying, God, I want to carry your presence with me. They were carrying the presence in a physical manner. We carry in this jar of clay the presence and the reality and the hope of the living God in Christ. And I I love this, um, and I want to lead to Anna. Impossible is where God starts. The miraculous is where he ultimately guides. I, I just started writing some people who were very unclear leading up to the birth of Jesus. They were walking circles, but no idea what God was doing. I hope you find these to be um, encouraging. Hope is not necessarily what you expect. And in fact, often hope is what you would never fathom. Hope is Abraham, listen to this, I, I had fun with it. Hope is Abraham adjusting his bifocals to look at his son. If you, I'll say it one more time because some of you... Hope is Abraham. I've got them on right now. They just kind of, for, you know, us, we hid the bifocal part, but they're here. This is, this is my son. Are you kidding me, Lord? Hope is Elijah standing beside the embers of a fire. 
His people who were impenetrable, impenetrable, that. People who had a wall around that fire. We're just standing now glorifying the living God. No idea what was coming, just the Elijah story. Hope is Moses standing in the promised land, and it wasn't with Aaron and Miriam. It was with Elijah and the transfigured Christ on the top of a mountain in worship. Hope is three young men tossed into a fire and all of a sudden they're in with a fourth. And they're walking around singing. I had no idea how this would come. I know the battles that we've won, Lord. And you have never failed us yet. We are circling in this fire. We are walking in the flames. And you have never failed us yet. We couldn't do our hands like this. But the flames have burned away the things that hold our hands down. You have never failed us yet. Just walking in the middle, unbeknownst to them how God would work it out. It's Joshua standing in what was minutes before flood stage waters and saying, let's lift some rocks and place them here for our God is a God of hope. It's a chosen people who've circled a wall that by all human understanding cannot be taken, and yet they walk again. Scripture is filled with those who would say, I'm singing this in my heart right now, I'm sparing you though. I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains. And I believe that you can do it again. You made a way, Lord, when there is no way. And you will do this again. The Advent season and the hope that we have in Christ is a season of contagious conviction and ultimate expectation for the followers of Jesus. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Advent. And I just share two character traits from the second chapter of the book of Luke, verses 36 through 38. It is when I think of hope, I think inevitably next year when we walk in and speak of hope, I will either speak of Simeon or Anna because they are two of the most prolific people when it comes to hope. And in light of the, the, the song that God has put in my heart called Do It Again, um, I just think of Anna who just kept circling and kept circling and kept circling and kept circling for 84 years for heaven's sake. And that's just the 84 years after her husband of seven years died. She just kept circling and kept circling and going, God, there is a hope that you have put as a wellspring in my spirit. And I anticipate that you are coming. And so in chapter 2, verse 36, it's coming out of the story of Simeon, who um, I'm not going to read all this, but Simeon, righteous and devout, saw the consolation of Israel, rejoiced in the Savior, cried out and singing, and then said, now I can go be with the Lord. Anna had a mildly different response. Here's what Anna did. She's a prophetess, Anna. She's a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. This is verse 36 of chapter 2 of the book of Luke. She was well along in your years. She's lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and she was a widow for 84 years. Um, You kind of do the math a little bit and figure out when she got married. It's a pretty good while here. She didn't leave the temple. She didn't leave the temple. Listen, she served God day and night, night and day with fasting and with prayer. If you want a model for the biblical reality of hope, there you have it. God, you have spoken something into my core. And I am going to rest in your presence. 
I don't think that means you come and sit in Mandarin Baptist for the next 84 years. I think you sit in the presence of the living God with the eager expectation and ultimate anticipation of what he is going to do among us, through us, with us, all over us. At that moment, she came up and began to thank God. The moment being the bringing of Jesus into the temple. And she spoke about him to all who were looking for redemption. The redemption of Jerusalem. I, I wrote down just two thoughts. There's a, there's a passion in her soul that believes this. That the, the, the persistent conviction is that God is your supply. And I come to you in light of our small group study today. In light of Anna and the description of her that just says she never left the temple. She fasted and prayed incessantly. Would you say the description of your life is that God is the supply of your soul? I don't mean that lightly like a Sunday morning sermon. I mean, is there, is there a conviction of your soul for the longing of the Spirit of God in such a manner that you would spend 84 years awaiting His response unbending for the sake of his glory. That's huge. That is a hope that she held that would not disappoint and in fact created a contagion in her soul that was unfathomable. I just wrote some thoughts and I'll share them with you and then share my second thought. He's more to him than anything that she could gain on this earth. There was something so grand and so glorious and so magnanimous that she eagerly awaited there's a verse in Isaiah 26, 8 that's a part of a generational movement for 22 years now. Um, and it just says, yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your tra- uh, truth, we wait eagerly for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our soul. And I think of Anna when I think of that verse where she's not sitting in going, it's 83 and I'm walking. She's walking the circle going, God, you have placed in my spirit that you are coming. I am rejoicing in that. I am speaking of that. I don't think, in fact, and this is a stretch and you can take this as you will. This is just me kind of preaching out of my own heart right now. I don't think that the the reality of his presence walking in to the, with, with Mary and Joseph walking into the temple was the apex of her life. I think she'd already experienced the apex of her life. The apex of her life was finding satisfaction in the living God that he was her supply and that what he had just done was utterly miraculous because who she had already known for 84 plus years and walked with for 84 plus years just did something magnanimous again. And that's powerful. She's just walking and going, well, here you are again. My soul is full, but I have been watching you for the last 84 years. And the intimacy that we shared prepared me for this advent. That, that's what spoke to my soul. Anna took consistently one more step. One more walk. And, and I love this. And, I just, just my, and she just worshipped. I would like, in fact, I will. And if you're in Jesus, you will. I would like to spend one to 3,000 years with her and just worship with her for a while. It's gonna, eternity is going to be really, really rich. The second thing I said first is there's a, just a conviction of our soul that Jesus is our supply. That he's enough. And the second is this, we ceaselessly prepare to receive more God. 
Um, I've said this prior in our church. What is your preparation? What's your conviction? What's your conviction? What's your preparation? She fasted and she prayed. This is a descriptive of her. She fasted and she prayed. She fasted and prayed for the story of God to unveil. She waited and said, Lord, move. And when you move, I'll move with you. Here's what faith is. This is not my idea. This is Hebrews. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Anna just faith in the living God and walked with him. And her hope was built on nothing less. Jesus' birth and the advent of the king of glory. And she just, she, she ceaselessly prepared for that. And so here in this season, as we're walking around these walls, wondering how they're going to fall. Lord, you haven't failed us yet, but we're on circle number 716 today. We're on year number 73, and there's something that you're birthing in our soul. I'm just wondering what our response will be as a body of believers. Will we ceaselessly fast and pray, or will we ultimately turn away? Anna ceaselessly fasted and prayed and stayed in the temple and, and she saw the living God. But again, I want to come back. I don't, I don't even think that was the apex. It was the intimacy that she shared with God all along the way. And oh, that I would pray that intimacy for us as a body of believers. That it would be a common speak among us. What are you fasting and praying for today? Um, Scott taught our lesson this morning, was talking about Bill Bright, and he just said, it was weird hanging out with him. I don't think he used the word weird. But um, it was unusual hanging out with him because we're in a dialogue and sitting in a room, and one, one minute we're talking, and then the next minute he and Von Ed are on their knees praying, and the next minute we're talking, and Scott, I didn't say this in the room, but the last time I was with him, he died six months later, and he was standing in front of a group of us, a small group of about 40 of us, and he is just looking at us and he is saying, um, I'm in my 28th day of fasting. Oh, by the year that I'm going to pass away, but I am fasting and praying for the next move of God because what God has done is, um, has, has allowed us to go into multiplied countries all over the world, but I want God to do it again. And so I just, I just come and ask you, what is the conviction of your soul and what are you ceaseless? Look, look, I'm not What are you um, half-heartedly preparing for is not what I'm asking. What are you ceaselessly? the The book of Revelation says, what are you reaching up and grabbing the throne of the king and shaking his throne to say, holy God, move. What are we ceaselessly preparing for? I'm ending here. Her conviction flowed from a life measured by the promise of God. That's yours. Anna's conviction of life was just measured by the promise of God over 400 years from, from quietness from Malachi to Matthew, from Malachi to Luke. And yet, scripted throughout the readings that she had was the promise of the living God. So she ceaselessly, ceaselessly committed to the living God. It was quiet in the land, but it wasn't quiet in Anna's heart. Let me say that again. It was quiet, as Scripture says, for 400 years. It was not quiet in Anna's heart. She was ceaselessly praying, ceaselessly fasting, and ceaselessly crying out for the Lord to bring His advent, His presence of an eager expectation and hope. Do it again, Lord. Her preparation stemmed from a life immersed in the Word of God. Her conviction was measured by the promise of God. 
if you and I are going to measure our convictions by our current feelings or the state of things, we will be grossly misled. But if we will prepare immersed in the Word of God, we will be greatly led. Allowing Scripture to move within us. In this hurting world, we need people who experience God in real and personal ways and do exactly what Anna did. As soon as she heard it, she began to speak about it. We've waited with preparation. We've prepared our heart, Lord. I'm, I'm praying in this year. I just wrote some things this morning. As I pray for this church, I'm, I'm praying that in greater manner in marriages and families, homes will become gospel stations this year. And I'm praying for multiplied homes. I'm not talking about people in this room now. I'm praying for people who aren't yet in this room. That because this church gathers, homes and families are given a greater hope and picture of the gospel story. I'm praying for that this year. That's I'm beginning to share a few hopes with you. I am praying for redemptive stories of the care for the orphan. And I just heard one this morning. I am praying for 52 to come to know Jesus this year and to walk through the waters of baptism. And we've just celebrated a couple. I am praying in hope that a local school will be served well because this church is here. I'm praying for those who are currently in addiction to fulfill what Scripture says will happen when the body of Christ is moving, that they will be freed. I'm praying in the next year for an addiction center in this church. I'm praying for a hundred of you in this room to be equipped to share the gospel at a moment's notice. And I'm praying for a hundred of you to be convicted right now to make that move. And I'm praying that on January 19 we'll have more than a hundred in the room. I'm praying that the concrete around this building will be worn thin from the walking prayers of the fasting saints of Mandarin. I'm praying for our Haitian and Hispanic churches to outgrow us. I'm praying for friendships with their pastors. One of them is, is not here yet, so we're praying by faith in them. I'm praying for gatherings over this next year with all three congregations that we will never forget and cannot imagine right now. For those of you that are guests, right now we have a Haitian church and a Hispanic church on our campus. So I'm praying for great fruit. I'm praying for students who will live the gospel and I'm praying for the normal story of our students to be we're going. And I'm praying that I get to share life with a group of people who are steeped in conviction and who persevere in preparation, who wait faithfully and diligently upon the Lord and who believe in the advent of Jesus Christ and have eager anticipation in this moment. Merry Christmas. Yes. Jesus, I thank you that we might have an eager expectation of something 
much anticipated. I pray that is the anthem of the Advent season, that Christ has come for the people around us, for the hope that we deeply stake our lives in, for the promise of this day and for the hope of a future. Oh God, we love you and we worship you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. I pray for an uprising of our spirit and our soul of eager expectancy. As we gather in these services, we trust that the Holy Spirit is moving. At the end of our services, we tend to close with a song. And we really want to allow it to be a time where just you and Jesus can share some time together. We create space for our voices to be lifted to the Lord. We create an altar here at the front for us to come and kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. May that be normal in this church. We do posture several of our pastors here at the front because there is something powerful about hearing your name lifted before the Father. We, what we, you need to know is here we, we do not believe that there is a mediator between God and man that is the pastor. We believe that we have him in Jesus through his spirit. But boy, will you ever believe that there is a powerful moment to hear someone pray for you. If you need prayer, one of our pastors is here at the front. And finally, we believe that God rescues. He saves. And if you're in this room and have heard this story and you have no hope, hope has come. His name is Jesus. Some of our pastors are here at the front. And we would love to lead you toward Jesus. If that's awkward for you at this moment, some of our pastors will continue to be here after the service. Come and catch us. And we want to speak of Jesus. So church, we're going to sing together, worship together, pray together, expect together in great hope. Would you stand with me? And if you need to move, would you move even right now?